0: You are listening to Cry Out, a certain series by Pastor Bay Allen. Hello everybody. Welcome to Faith on 68. I am Pastor Bay and today we are finishing off our series on what it means to lament as a people of God. Um, We are looking at, last week we looked at I want to smash things. Today we're looking at making sense out of like you know, the the senseless in a way, uh, me, finding meaning in the meaningless, and if that's even possible. So I encourage you to turn with me in your Bibles or an applicable app on your smartphones as we dig right in to John chapter 9. Take note that the scripture that's written on your bulletin, I made a mess up, and the wrong scripture, that's the scripture from two weeks ago. So if you want to take note of this, the scripture that we're digging into today is John chapter 9, Verses like 1 through 11. Uh, today's scripture is also on the screen for your convenience. And I have no click. I thought the click would work, but it's not working. It changed, the it changed it. So it is slightly working then. So we may be on to something. Give me one second. Sorry for the delay. Do you need a manual clicker? I don't know. I may. If this doesn't work, Gary, I'd appreciate that. Thank you. Sure. It may work. Let's see. It looks like it's working. I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Thank you. But 911, if it goes, ah, just run forward. Thank you. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they call Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to tell you a story from my past. Um, Last week I told you a story about a friend of mine who liked to smash his video game controllers uh, when he got angry. Uh, Today I'm going to tell you a story from around that same time in my life but in regards to a different college friend of mine. His name was Charlie. Now Charlie was a cool kid. he, I met him in one of my classes. He liked to write poetry. I liked to write poetry. I actually had some some skills with putting these little poetry chat books together, so we hit it off right away uh, and, and we had a good time now The interesting thing about Charlie is that he he was quite a character. He would always aside from writing poetry, he would always be at the skate park. Uh, he loved going to the skate park, hitting the ramps uh, he listened to to punk rock music you know he was just this this crazy cool kid um, he was a good guy, and I remember Charlie and I. We were cutting through campus one day. We were we were going back to the dormitory, and there were there were a couple of these IUP girls coming towards us. And, and Charlie goes, "You wait here. Check this out." And, and Charlie, um, he he just had this way about him, and he he kind of. Goes up towards them. He starts using his freestyle ramp ready wheelchair to wheel over to these girls because Charlie couldn't walk um, and he was in a wheelchair. So he pushes his wheelchair up towards these girls and he knocks himself over sideways. All right, and the girls they freak out. They're like, "What's going on?" They they're kind of frantic. They run over. Oh, are you okay? And they're and he's just like. <laughs> and, and they're like they're like helping him out, and, and they were good looking girls too. And they're sitting here all over Charlie, helping him up. The one pushes him through campus, um, and, and then when they leave, they like give him a hug and everything, and they're gone. And, and Charlie's just glowing. You know, he's like, that's how it's done. You know? <laughs> you know, and he had not one but two beautiful girls just spending time with him. You know, pushing him, hugging him, uh, spending time with them. And I think of that story in connection to today's scripture because it's easy for people to feel sorry for themselves. It is. Uh, It's easy for people to judge themselves based off of their uh, disabilities or based off of certain circumstances that they're going through in their lives. Uh, It's easy for me to judge myself, and perhaps you're the same way. Um, And sometimes people judge themselves and others for things that really had nothing, they had nothing to do with. Um, some things that just kind of happened the way that they happened. It's easy for people to judge someone else because they're different. So, sometimes those differences are, are handicaps and sometimes uh, it, it, it's just something else. Sometimes those handicaps and those something else's are actually God moments waiting to happen. They go unnoticed because we're too busy almost judging beforehand. And so today's scripture, uh, if we unpack this a little bit, it kind of deals with this. Because Jesus and his disciples, um, let, me, let me put it to you like this, they were just walking down the street, right? And they find a, a blind beggar. So culturally, you have this, this hipster prophet and his followers walking down the street, juxtaposed with a blind beggar. So you have uh, a group of people that people generally look up to, and then you have someone who people usually look away from. Okay, That's kind of who we have in this story, uh, this encounter uh, that we see in Scripture. And here's what happens. Uh, Jesus and his disciples are walking down the street. They see the blind guy, and the disciples pop this question. Rabbi! Now, they probably dealt with this question their whole lives internally, and they just never really asked for any answer. And so, so they, they, they want to pop this. And they say, who sinned, this guy or his parents that made him this way? Okay. That's a valid question. They lived in a world where there was always someone to blame. Does that sound familiar to anybody? There's always got to be someone to blame. They lived in a society where nothing happens by chance. There must be a reason. There must be a purpose for everything. And they lived in a world that constantly tried to find meaning in the meaningless. And that's what I've titled today's sermon, Meaning in the Meaningless. I'm sure you can relate uh, to this a little bit. Not a whole lot has changed since this encounter. With the blind man not a whole lot has changed we still live in a culture that says there has to be a meaning for this there's got to be someone to blame now the big problem is just like the disciples a lot of us already have an idea of who's to blame before we ever ask the question for many of us we are brought up to know who is to blame in a certain situation before we ever even ask the question There are stereotypes, prejudices, uh, that have been put into us like lemon juice in a glass of tea. It is there. We can't get it out. We are conditioned uh, to, to, people say, live and learn. And many of us look with our eyes, we hear with our ears, we see things happening. And on a subconscious level, we start to make associations. that predispose our future experiences. Now, many of you know, I like the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm a Pens fan, um, I haven't been able to go to a game in forever, I haven't even been able to regularly watch a season in forever, but I like the Penguins, and i got to tell you, when I was regularly watching them, if I saw we were playing Boston, I wouldn't watch the game. I wouldn't watch the game because every time I watched the Pens play, when, whenever we play Boston, we would lose. I went to the Mellon Arena a couple of the times I spent money on tickets to go. We happened to be playing Boston. We lost. Both of those times. I saw them on TV. We lost. Eventually, on a subconscious level, it became a conscious thing. I started to connect dots. When we play Boston, we lose. I'm not going to watch. And then we'll win. Right? Or at least I hoped. (laughs) We start to make those connections. Jump to conclusions based off of what we'd already experienced. And some of us, we are brought up believing things. Just because our parents believed them in our world, there are still people who think women are the weaker sex. There are still people that think that based off of the color of someone's skin, they are less of a person. There are still people that think that the amount of money someone makes in a year is their net worth. Net worth is not how much someone makes. But you see what I'm saying? We believe things because we are led to believe things. And the disciples believed one, or two, one of these two things. First off, they had their constant. There was a punishment factor. This was just the way they were brought up, this was the way they, they lived day to day. There was this punishment question. You know, uh, this disability of uh, this man, this blind beggar, it is equal to his sin or his parents' sin, right? It's, it's equal to sin. Disability equals punishment for sin. That was their constant. The second was there's a question in that piece who is to blame? Is it him or is it his parents? Because it's obvious that he's blind because of sin. This is what they believed. But whose sin is the question that they posed to Jesus. And Jesus probably rocked their world with his answer because their rabbi, their spiritual guide, says this. It's not because of anyone's sin. It's actually so that God may be glorified. What? For someone looking for meaning in the meaningless, that didn't do it, Jesus. We were looking for the meaning within this meaningless, right? They, they basically said, What flavor ice cream, Jesus? Chocolate or vanilla? And he goes, Strawberry. Strawberry. That's not even an answer to the direct question that was asked. But their spiritual guide, their rabbi, Jesus, guided their question into a different reality. We're finishing off our series on lament, and I want to pose this question to you. Do you think that the disciples... In this scene, in this scenario, we're using the blind beggar as a subject, as subject matter to answer a deeper question within themselves, within their own lives. Do you think there's a possibility of that? You know, perhaps they faced difficulty in their own lives, their whole lives, and this was their opportunity. They finally thought to say to their rabbi, you know, through this guy, who's at fault? You know, it's like, When I can't focus because of my ADD, is that because of my sin or my parents' sin? You know, it's like, you know, my son has autism. Is it because of something I did? Why am I depressed all the time, Jesus? For no real reason. Is it because of my sin or because of my parents' sin? This is what questioning was taking place. Who's to blame? Because there was lament taking place internally. Seeking answers by looking at others who are suffering, pretending and acting as though, you know, we're different, while secretly we're searching for the big answer ourselves. Is there meaning in the meaningless? Is there meaning in the meaninglessness of our own lives? Are they meaningless? I wonder if the disciples had that kind of lens with this encounter, with this conversation. I wish I could have been there when Jesus answered, Strawberry. I wish I could have been there the silence that filled the space between them as they just absorbed what their teacher just said or revealed for the first time. Their parents didn't tell them this option. They didn't even mention it. Their schools didn't teach this. This was entirely new territory. You mean people's differences are not necessarily because of sin? That's off the hook, Jesus. I mean, well, they could be based off sin, but there could be another option? Were they wrestling with this? Perhaps there's no meaning in the meaningless. Tell me it's not true. There's got to be meaning in the meaningless. Perhaps they are not handicapped because of their sin. What if they're handicapped to be a blessing? I know it sounds crazy, but what if there's a blessing that points to the glorification of God that most people can't see because of the handicap? Perhaps there's an alternative. My friend Charlie didn't view his handicap in the way that other people's did. He saw it as a way to ride some cool ramps, pick up some girls in a way that we couldn't do, you know? The fact that he was crippled was meaningless. The fact that he was put on this planet to live, that's where Charlie found meaning. For Charlie, the meaning of life was to live. Not get caught up on the details that have nothing to do with the living as much as they do with only living a certain way. Fitting into a certain community. That's what Jesus, I believe, was calling into question here. Don't waste time talking about or pointing fingers at or searching for meaning in the meaningless. Not when we have God. We have God. Why search for meaning in the meaningless? If anything, we are to interject God into that meaninglessness. That, because that's where meaning is. Where God is. So bring that meaning in. That's fine. God can be glorified in all situations. The situations don't have to look a certain way, taste a certain way. People don't have to look a certain way. We could get to the point where anyone that is different, where we see them, that difference is a result of sin. What's up with that? Why would we see someone's difference as being a result of somebody's sin. Instead of them just being a masterpiece of God. One of a kind. Original. There's a show on TV right now called The Good Doctor. Maybe some of you are watching it. It's a cool show. I recommend it. Uh, it's, a, it's about this surgeon. A young surgeon who has autism. And just uh, kind of overcoming some of the stereotypes with the way that people see him. It's a really cool show. It just shows how there's struggle and blessing. The beggar on the street in today's scripture most likely lived in the same view as the disciples. He most likely wrestled with this and viewed himself in this way every single day. Am I blind because of my parents' sin? Or am I blind because of something I did? Am I being punished for something that I did? Because he lived in that world. That is what was taught. And I want you to take this away from our scripture today. As a follower of Christ... And if you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ, no worries. You just get to hear what we as Christ followers are supposed to be doing. Hold us accountable to that, please. As a follower of Christ, we are to show that there is a third option. That there is another way, an alternate rhetoric, if you will. We are to show that God is to be glorified. Plain and simple. We are to offer another reality, one that the world doesn't tell us about. And you ever notice how in Scripture God always chooses the, the less, less than perfect? You know, Moses, we talked about last week, he liked to break things. He liked to smash things. You know, he probably could have dealt with some, uh, some speech therapy. You know, Moses had a stutter. God was glorified through Moses. King David, the scrawny shepherd boy, the runt of the litter, um, defeated the mighty Goliath with a stone that he picked up. Out of a riverbed. David, who also, you know, he had such an affinity for the beautiful women that he committed adultery. And then he committed murder. If anyone sinned and should have been stricken blind, it was King David. And then you have his son Solomon, right? The son of a sinner. He should have been struck blind because of his dad's sin. No, he was the wisest man that ever was. He he built up the temple. God was glorified through David. God was glorified through Solomon. As a follower of Christ, it is our responsibility to show that there is another option to what the world is telling us. We are to show that God can be glorified in all things. Even something that the world tells us is a disability. Or tells us is something that we should lament. And Jesus didn't just tell of this alternative. Jesus did something to show this alternative. Jesus physically helped the blind beggar. I love that the pool we sent him to meant sent. And he went and it worked. You know, That was pretty cool. Jesus sent him. He went. He came back healed. So Jesus did these three things. So we should do it too, if we can. Jesus told of a new alternative. Jesus showed a new alternative. And Jesus invited others. And actually Jesus did it. And then the beggar did it. The blind beggar did the same thing. People were talking to him. He told others about that new alternative. He showed them with himself, and then he invited them. He said, It's Jesus who did it. He did the same model. When this man washed and washed in the pool where he was sent, and then he was able to see, he was able to see beyond what was taught as fact his entire life. His eyes were open for the first time. The whole time he was looking for meaning in the meaningless. You know, whose sin, my sin, or my parents' sin made me this way. The whole time he was searching for meaning in the meaningless, he forgot that they are completely different things. You want meaning? You don't find it in the meaningless. It's not where it's found. If you're finding yourself in something that you think is meaningless, that's where meaning usually finds you. You want meaning, you turn to God. You turn to God. That's where we find meaning. That is where you can bring meaning into the meaninglessness of others. That's what it means to, to use, maybe you have a handicap, to use that in a way that is a blessing, not a curse, a way that glorifies God. God makes beautiful things. God makes beautiful things out of the dust. You ever dust your house? Such a nuisance. God makes beautiful things out of the dust. Don't forget that. So when you leave here today and you face a situation that is maybe blemished with stereotyping or some ancient bias, something that maybe you have nothing to do with, whatever. When you are offered chocolate or vanilla, I pray that you will remember today what Jesus said. And you can say, strawberry. And that when other people see you eating this bright pink fruity ice cream, that they're kind of like, man, I want to try strawberry. That looks good. I thought there was only vanilla and chocolate. That's what I pray. And you know what? Maybe in the process of just seeing you enjoying that strawberry, that something different, that third option, they will be encouraged to do the same, to step out of lament into God's love. Would you pray with me? Dear God, we just thank you for the way that that you speak to us still through this encounter with the the beggar. You remind us that we're to tell others, we're to show others, we're to invite others into this, this new way that you brought to us. Thank you for opening our eyes to see. Allow us to become the mud that you place upon other people's eyes to help them see. This is our prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.